We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Road of His Best Ball Show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm delighted to be joined again by Connor O'Driscoll, aka Dreco, who you can follow on Twitter at Dreco Out. Connor was the FFPC champion last year in the best ball tournament. He came in first place. I came in second place along with Sean Siegel and Blair Andrews. We are delighted to have him back on the show. We did three episodes, Connor. Recorded those about a month ago in one series, and then we're going to do a couple of shows now to release over the next couple of weeks. So really excited to share your insights on some of your recent pieces up on rotoviz.com with the listening audience. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Colin. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Uh, the last time was a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm excited to, to go again. Yeah, it was a huge amount of fun, and we actually had some really great feedback. So, always delighted to uh, to hear that from people listening and enjoying it. But specifically, I think Connor was getting more of the shout outs than I was, and the, the feedback we were getting. So, we, we had to get him back in. You have to give the the listeners what they want. But on today's show, Connor, we are going to be talking specifically about your recent piece up on rotaviz.com, applying optimal best ball principles to a hyper fragile draft and how to finish. A hyper fragile draft strong so we did talk a little bit about hyper fragile when you were on previously but the big question around this and it comes up on twitter when i post some of our drafts and some of the thoughts and sean siegel's posting some of his drafts we are drafting some running backs in those opening rounds this year and i know we are very much zero rb driven or hero rb or modified zero rb driven but this year there was some and it's it's almost disappearing already with some of the targets that we were drafting being pushed up into that second or third round range but why are some of the the rotoviz team this year drafting hyper fragile what is what are some of the thought processes behind behind that from your opinion um well one big thing is that uh before rotoviz wasn't doing too much uh underdog drafts whereas now uh it's a big part of the of the consumption but I think, too, is that you have to be very dynamic in drafts. I know on the show, people talk about players being dynamic. As a drafter, you have to be dynamic as well in that each draft is different. You get a different set of opportunities each draft, and you have to figure out what are the best ways to take advantage of that. One thing is when when you get one of those first two picks, first three picks, and you're in position to take JT or CMC, well, you are you're give, you're being given the opportunity to take 
basically the two best running backs in uh, in in the, in the draft. Like, and and there's a huge tier gap after them. Like, they're they're the best picks, and because because you get to start that way, it really is a nice setup for hyper fragile because the the back then that you that you have available in the second round is often almost as good or just as good as somebody in the early second and then you get your early third pick if somebody when somebody falls in that spot like it can be a really nice opportunity i think that one thing one situation is is like deandre swift whereas the fact that you can often get him at the end of the second is is to me it's kind of crazy because of how good that he showed he was last year. One thing that we often talk about is the kind of profiles of backs and, and can they get the double-double? The do- so can they get 10 expected points uh, in, in the running game and can they get 10 expected points in the receiving game? And one thing that's interesting, so obviously Swift had 10 expected points per game in his healthy games uh, as a receiver, but he also had a huge share of the goal line touches uh, for the Detroit as well. I think he had like 60, 70 percent of those goal line kind of of that those goal line expected points. That would have been huge, except that Detroit didn't actually not get into uh, <laughs> into that situation very often. So it didn't actually amount to that many total points. But if you want to bet on Detroit being much better this year, oh hey, they've added these great receivers, like they've got this much firepower. And they will, and and you think they will be in that situation more, like that is one of the cleanest ways played at that I can think of, and so then you also get you like I said you, you get back to the third round, and uh, for lots of the summer we were getting Saquon Barkley in that situation, and it, it's it's just very difficult to pass that up, and so I think that when you come at it from that kind of like player, oh these these are players I really like in these situations. This is a structure that, that does have results. We are in half PPR. Like, it just sets up really nice, I think. And then one other thing about start, starting hyper-fragile from that spot, and we talked about this before, where drafters often using that structure, they will not get an elite tight end. And because that, that kind of start, it funnels them away from the elite tight end and pushes them towards three tight end, three quarterback builds. And that's not, it's just not good for a playoff kind of form. It's it's not, it's not great for leagues. And it's, it's really not good when, uh, when you have a big playoff at the end. And if you start at the, uh, if, you, if, if you're in one of the early picks, you really get a stab at uh, pits. I mean, obviously you're reaching for pits at this side of the third, but then you can also get the, uh, if you don't do that, you also have a real shot at Kittle at the four or five turn. And so you're really set up well there. So the, the, I guess that those are the th- those are the things that, that I've been thinking about and that have been kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe I really should be trying this approach from this situation. Uh, whereas in the past, I, I wouldn't have. Yeah, it's interesting this year. You mentioned a couple of things there and just to go through it for people listening in is those first two picks, for example, or maybe you're picking at spot four or five and for some reason Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor didn't make it to you there. And maybe you like somebody else outside of those two guys, but they are generally the two guys that 
we are drafting if we have those first couple of picks and wanted to go running back and it is kind of if you're in those first i would say four picks and that happens that then in the second round and third round that becomes an option the other thing with the hyper fragile build is then we are holding off on our running back so sometimes we'll hear conversations around robust running back and you know trying to load up as much as you can in those first five rounds there is obviously part of the strategy and we'll talk in a minute about people not implementing it well or not implementing it correctly and how to finish these rosters strong so there is a couple of things there it is key that if you take those three running backs they are fitting that profile that connor mentioned and there is very specific targets for this it is swift and saquon for example in that range there is a couple of other guys that do fit into it as well but when we are looking at it like you mentioned a couple of different things there the tight end element what are some of the other things that you think that people are missing out on when it comes to those let's say opening four rounds and what they're doing around the the running back position and, and starting to think about the rest of their construction one thing that seems to be a lot more popular this year is the early quarterbacks um, people are more likely to uh to draft a quarterback i've, I've even seen alan go at the two tree turn i've uh I, i'll often see herbert go at the tree four turn and to, I, I guess that that is a strategy that can work like those are great players but if you are going to use a, a position a, a pick on an elite onesie it, i i really do think that it should be a uh, an elite tight end and especially because some of the quarterbacks that are available in the sixth round the seventh round are really really good for fantasy like they're really good whereas uh I know that t- tight end, it, it, the landscape is a bit different this year, but you really can't, you can't really replace like Kittle or Pitts later in the draft. Like there's a couple of those guys who give you that kind of like massive weekly ceiling that just don't really, uh, they don't really exist in the same way later than that. I think as well that one thing that's really interesting about Hyper Fragile is that because you only need one more, one more, sometimes you can push it to five, but because you only really need one more, you can be really, really patient with uh, the fourth running back. Like you really should be pushing it to after eight rounds. But once once you hit into that those double digit rounds, there very often is a running back who falls. And so you can make sure you, you, you're in position to get 10, 20 picks of value on that fourth guy and that's something that i'm always looking for like even if even if i if there's a guy i i don't mind that adp and he's after the eight rounds and i'll like i'll push it just because like i know there's a a bit better chance than not that i get somebody at at good value and i really like that i get to pick my spot uh with that fourth running back other things that i think are interesting so obviously rookie uh receivers in, in any build, they're exciting because they do tend to have their uh, production backloaded to the last couple of weeks. But in the context of hyper-fragile, I think that's that's really exciting because if you can have potentially a couple of top 20 receivers at weeks 15 through 17, and you've got these dominant running backs, like that's like that. it's just a, a really exciting uh, combination, I think, whereas... Obviously, with zero RB, we we want we want as many as much firepower as we can get at the position, and we're just going to barnstorm our, our position, our, our opponents through that way. But 
the the compliment there is really nice i think we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think I think circling back to the overall part again, I'm going to keep doing this throughout this episode, I think is really important that it's in those first few picks of the draft to give you the option of those players in the second and third round to attack those correct profiles. I was asking that question to see what you were thinking and you filled it in with wait until after the eighth round for that fourth running back. So sometimes we'll see people going and, and taking that fourth running back in the fifth round, for example, and, and not giving themselves to to attack like the elite positions at the onesie position, like you mentioned, in a Kyle Pitts, for example, our favorite guy this year is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the other tight end options, like a Kittle, like maybe even a, a Waller, and then the quarterbacks as well, who you mentioned in that kind of six through nine range, I guess. We'll talk in a second about the quarterback window. But when we're looking about how you can set your team up, taking that quarterback in the first or second round can put you in a little bit of a hole then later to try and fill in those other positions so i wouldn't be recommending doing that like you you also didn't recommend it there when we were talking about it but that is really the structure you're looking for if you're going hyper fragile you're getting those three running backs i would say in those first four rounds but you're waiting then to get that fourth running back after the eighth round the later I think after that, probably the better you're getting into some of those zero RB candidates and even getting into the the mid-teen rounds or some very interesting rookie options there. You mentioned pairing a rookie running back or a rookie wide receiver with this group, but there's some exciting rookie running backs that could also be paired into having those three elite running back options in the early rounds. But I think if you can come through those kind of first seven rounds potentially depending on what you want to do with your quarterback with your elite tight end with three running backs and then filling the rest up with wide receiver i think would you agree that that's kind of after kind of the eight nine round range that's what you're hoping to have done if you are going hyper fragile yeah yeah i completely agree and then one thing that i also think is important that the thing about in any draft is um what kind of stacks do you build like how are you building correlation into your team and I think that one of the one of the big mistakes is uh, now obviously this doesn't quite apply in hyperfragile, but one of the big mistakes is people will draft Cooper Cup and then they're like, okay, well, I have Cooper Cup, I'm at the two tree turn, let me grab uh, Mike Williams. And I, I have the correlation there. And th- th- this might be beating a dead horse a little bit, but by you pulling Mike Williams all the way up to the two tree turn all the benefit that you've gotten from correlation is gone because 
now you you already you already need him to, to outperform his like his his median expectation just to justify your pick there. Where if you if you focus on stacks from teams that you think are, are generally undervalued, like or or um, players within teams, when when you have a team and a lot of the players are undervalued, those are situations that I think is more exciting to uh, the stack. And one example, uh, I think that Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, even Elijah Moore, I think they're they're all undervalued because of the the Zach Wilson stink. Um, but because they have these cheaper prices, it means that if you do stack them and in a given week you only get a hit from one of them, that's okay. Because it's okay if you, if you're a later pick or your mid pick doesn't hit you 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 can carry that um but on on the flip side if if we're if we're just wrong about the jets and then they end up doing being very good then you you have this huge like you have this huge correlation effect of where like their boat um or or three of them are vastly outperforming their um their adp and then the other part of it is is that if you are stacking kind of like undesirable teams, you get so much more uniqueness than if you're trying to stack the the sexy teams. Like just one example, and I, I pulled this up last night, is that um, last year, believe it or not, the Ravens pass catchers, that was like an unsexy, unfavorable and stack. And so if you combined Mark Andrews, so Mark Andrews obviously had really strong results, but if you combine Mark Andrews with Marquise Brown, you only 1,673 teams combined those two together. I mean, considering that they're both drafted in pretty much every draft, I think that's kind of crazy, like, that they're combined. And so they... And just to confirm that, that that is kind of around about 155,000 teams that you mentioned in the 1,673 had it, it stacked. So... I think when we look through some of these, you mentioned like earlier DeAndre Swift. One of the teams that we have been stacking quite a bit this year is the Lions, and you mentioned the Jets as well. And you know, I've been stacking the Jets everywhere I can. There's also, you know, a lot of reports at the minute around how the Titans are are going, and they're sliding down a little bit by ADP. You know, there's lots of these ones that you can slide in. And we talked when you were on previously about building in that uniqueness, and this is a way to build in uniqueness at a very cost efficient way because there's gonna be lots of teams you touched on mike williams earlier there's gonna be lots of mike williams and uh, herbert stacks you know tried tried rosters there, there's not going to be a lot of those jets or um like i mentioned as well with the 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 lions i think you're getting them at such better values that then you can attack those elite options at the top and me and sean have talked quite a bit on road of his overtime as well about how people are targeting those stacks and you touched on Mike Williams and drafting him earlier than is really necessary. And you're kind of forcing yourself into those having to hit the ceiling expectations of where you're drafting these players. So I think that's a great point about the the underpriced stacks to not only have good value in building your stacks, but to also add in that uniqueness to your, your rosters as well. And then I think another point about the stacks is you don't, you don't, you really don't need the quarterback when you like, I, okay, I, I'm stacking Jets, but I'm not often dra- drafting Zach Wilson. I'm not. Um, I'm not often drafting quarterbacks that 
honestly far past the twelfth round, but I can still I can still combine their pass catchers and combine them with these kind of mobile quarterbacks where the stack isn't as important. Like I I I, I love to uh, combine those stacks with say, let's say a Jalen Hurts where I've got multiple opportunities at these um, skinny stacks. I uh, I'll do it with with Trey Lance where the skinny stack where I can get skinny stack or Honestly, we had a quarterback like Trey Lance, where a big part of his upside is that he could just run 200 times this year. Like I, I, I don't feel compelled to uh, to stack that. And then I think that's a, a good link in to the quarterback window kind of dynamics. Where so if you look, a big part of the quarterback dynamics and the quarterback window has been uh, using stuff like the win the flex tool, the roster construction sort of tools. But if you if you look at some of the kind of more recent history, uh, one thing that's changing is that people are getting much better at identi- identifying which quarterbacks will score a lot of points. Like I looked at uh, I looked at the ADPs from 2015, I think it was, and you had Andrew Luck going in the second round and then Cam Newton going to pick 90. A lot of the time when, when we were able to get those windows, it was because you could just not draft Andrew Luck in the second round and then get Cam Newton at 90. Whereas if Cam Newton, prime Cam Newton, you put him in the draft pool, like he is going much, much earlier than pick 90. But he scored, I think he scored 400 points that, that year. Like you still, you still do want access to the guys who score 400 points, even if you... Uh, if you even if you're not getting them as early anymore, and so we had we uh, we had discussed the quarterback window as being kind of round six to twelve, but round five and six you're getting guys like Lamar Jackson, you're getting guys like Kyler Murray, and even round six you're getting Jalen Hurts, and so like th- th- that's a kind of like range where the, all of those guys could easily be top five, the opportunity cost versus the wide receivers and running back. Is, is way lower than having to select like um, Josh Allen, like uh, Herbert, like the, the opportunity cost is way lower and you still get that top five. And so that that's something that I've really been trying to push. Uh, and and hope, hopefully it saves their all draft season, but I've, I've really been trying to push that. Yeah. So to recap again, just as we get ready to close out, you know, hyper fragile, we're looking to get those three running backs in those first four rounds or so hold off to at least the eighth round then when we're getting that next running back and just when we're on that point are you looking then to build that out with just the four running backs in in those drafts so um i'm 90 percent of the time i am just sticking to four running backs because like you take three that early uh you don't need too many and um, but th- sometimes there are situations where I, when I've really waited on my fourth running back, let's say I've got him in the 12th or so round, like you mentioned, and then I get this huge value in the 16th. A lot of it, a lot of these constructions are kind of like held up by the players themselves. Like, and what I mean by that is like, it's not like these constructions just exist in these vacuums. Like the results are powered by the the, the players and the ranges that it kind of lets you take. And so if you are getting this huge two tree round value on somebody in the 16th, like 
take that. Yeah. And and so that that's kind of the situation where I'll add a, a fifth running back. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And then obviously we talked about the onesie positions, trying to get your two quarterbacks in the quarterback window. There's basically all the principles that we talk about with zero RB transfer across outside of the fact that you're taking those three running backs in those early rounds and then holding off. There's everything else is pretty much very, very closely correlated as well. But we are going to talk, and we should have probably said this at the start, Connor, but the main reason that these are happening, you mentioned that because we're drafting on underdog, well, the difference in underdog and say the FFPC is half point PPR versus full point PPR. So the half point PPR element over at underdog makes having those elite running backs more appetizing than it would in the PPR format or the full PPR format. We are going to talk on the next edition when you do join us about our underdog drafters drafting enough running backs. So we are going to talk running back, running back, running back. And you know, we we're just obsessed about, with running backs here. We love running backs. But it is a case if you mentioned this at the start, knowing your format, knowing the rules, knowing the structure off the roster, the draft rounds and so on, and the players that you have to have in that lineup each and every week. So when we talk about FFPC, things are going to be a little bit different. But if you're playing over at Underdog, we're going to talk in the next edition about our Underdog drafters drafting enough running backs because we are seeing those wide receivers really pushed up. And even compared to the FFPC, where it is full point PPR, we're seeing differentiations in the value. So we will talk about that in the next edition if you are playing over at underdog fantasy though you can sign up and get yourself a bonus when signing up using the code rotoviz if you are a first time depositor they will match your first deposit up to 100 dollars by 100 so if you put in 100 dollars, you get a 200 basically amount in your account to, to start things off and to kick things off lots of drafts going on over there drafts filling up really quick you've been watching myself and sean siegel myself and zachary kruger drafting um, so lots of fun over there as well. And if you want to read articles like Connor's up on rotaviz.com, you can get yourself a 10% discount with the code RVRadio2022 when signing up. You can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. That is going to wrap it up for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. The article we discussed today as well will be in today's show notes, so you can check that out if you want to read Connor's full piece up on the website. Connor Riskill is my guest on today's show. He is the FFPC 2021 champion. My name is Colin Kelly. I guess we'll say I am the FFPC runner-up from 2021. Connor is on Twitter, though, at DrekoOut. He is closing in on 1,000 subscribers. Let's push him towards that number. So at DrekoOut on Twitter. You'll be able to find that as well in today's show notes. My name is Colin Kelly. You can find me at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back with another show... Have a good one.